0: All right, we have been looking at the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, specifically in the book of John. We understand that uh, Resurrection Sunday was now a couple weeks ago, but uh, the Bible continues to talk about these things. Um, in fact, there's 40 days of Jesus before he ascends to heaven after the resurrection. Now, we've looked at um, Jesus' appearance to Mary Magdalene, and then the disciples, and then to Thomas, and... And then there's almost this parenthetical statement at the end of chapter 20 in John John 20. And this is what it says. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, it's interesting because that's sandwiched right in between these resurrection appearances, but this essentially gives us the, sta- the, the purpose statement of the whole gospel. Do you guys think that's an overstatement?
1: Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't think that is, that is at all. John is telling us why he wrote his book. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and believing, have life in his name. That's, that's his statement of, of purpose. He saved it for the end uh, rather than at the beginning, uh, but uh, he's, he's telling us why, why he wrote his book.
2: And then you can use this to kind of go back and read the book. I mean, the book, uh, the Gospel of John is, is a gospel of signs. And and you're supposed to read the signs to say, how do they help me see Jesus as the Christ, Mm -hmm. um, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one um, that the Old Testament is is pointing to as the fulfillment of the ultimate prophet, priest, and king? Um, And how do you read the scriptures to see that Jesus is the Son of God? Mm -hmm. Um, So all of... Basically, what what John is saying is, Jesus did all of these things, but they were for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so, if you only see in them the miracle, then you've missed it. Yeah. You. Yes. It's, so it's kind of at the end of the book where he's going, "Okay, let's take a little test. Mm-hmm. Let's uh-huh. see if you read the gospel correctly." Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Um, in the signs, did you see Jesus as the Christ and the Son of God?
1: Yeah.
2: Yes. Okay. Good for you. You read the book right. Yeah. No start again yeah try uh-huh. again, read it again. see if you're seeing Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: I think there's also an admonition here when he says these these things are written so that you might believe Jesus is the Christ. do you want to do you want to build your faith? Uh, listener, do you want to grow in uh, the grace of Jesus Christ? Read God's word. Mm-hmm. Read it in a disciplined way. Read it daily. Fill your mind with it. Your, fill your heart with it every single day. These things are written that you might believe. Um, and of course, John is speaking of his book, but this admonition really applies to the whole Bible. These, these words have been given to us by God that we might believe.
0: Mm-hmm. Can I say something about Belief is this, or did you want to tag on to what Phil just said? I was just going to say that
2: I think the Gospel of Luke then complements the Gospel of John because Luke begins by saying, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. I'm also going to write something so that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have two gospel writers providing purpose statements. John's saying, I want you to believe. I want you to believe that Jesus is the Christ. I want you to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Luke is saying, and I want you to believe that with my orderly account, mm-hmm. with certainty, mm-hmm. that you may
0: know that for sure. Yeah. uh uh-huh. So that's perfect. So now let's talk a little bit about what faith and believing are, because I think this is something that is very misunderstood. I I don't think that um, the word of faith movement does Christianity any favors because they turn faith into something, some power, some force, some feeling that you are stirring up within yourself to to essentially purchase something or or earn something from God. Right. That's not what faith is. That's right. Um, faith is simply receiving what Jesus has said about himself as true. It's essentially holding your empty hand open and saying, fill me now in the way that you say that you're going to fill me. And I know all that language might not be helpful, but here's the thing. I talk to people regularly who, who struggle with their assurance of salvation because they feel that they they feel that their yeah. faith is so weak. Huh. Well, I think they're putting the emphasis entirely on the wrong syllable at that That's point. Right. That's right. What does my feelings have to do with facts? Yeah, and
1: there's an, an illustration that I've often used with people. There there is not up in heaven a faith ometer. And you've got to peg that thing over into the red, you know, the, the, faith, the faith-o-meter. And you, you try to drum up your faith and build up your faith. And if you can peg that thing over into the red, boom. Okay, you're saved. You're a believer. <coughs> no, it's not about your faith. Jesus said if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. In other words, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase Jesus a little bit. He's saying, if I need to get out a microscope to find your faith, it's enough. Because it, it's not it's not about our faith. It's about the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about the truth of God's word. It's it,
2: the object of our faith that
0: matters. Amen. Not yes. the amount of our faith, not yes. the quantity. Yes. So then the result here
2: in... Just really quickly, I was going to... Now I'm gonna have a senior moment and forget what I was gonna say. <laughs> it's oh, contagious. That you know? is great stuff, right there. That's good. This is that's a, quality radio. You know when you're doing quality radio <laughs> when you completely <laughs> well, you space completely what blank you're going out. To say so, I'm gonna just defer back. Well, we'll to Well, just Josh. just
0: footnote it and we can bring, come me, back to ooh, it later. Ooh, well,
1: let me make another comment about this admonition from John. These things are written that you may believe. And I said earlier, um, r- you want to build your faith, read God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- think for a moment how much media you are exposed to every day. Television, radio, smartphone, uh, smartphone internet. Uh, there is a flood of media being pumped into our hearts and minds every day and 90% of it is lies. Well, either, either it's lies or it's ir- irrelevant to... <laughs> mm. it, it, so we need, because of the overwhelming uh, flood of media that's being pumped into our hearts and minds every day, we need to be in God's Word every day and, and to be building the foundation of faith on where, where we really
0: stand as believers. Well, the, the word of God actually creates faith. I think yes. so many people take Romans 10, 13 and apply it only to unbelievers. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I use that verse all the time. I go into my office and I'm like, I feel dead today. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't feel close to God. My prayers are, feel like they're hitting the ceiling. Oh, wait a minute. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I go to the Bible and my faith starts rising and rising and rising. And all of a sudden I have words to pray to the Lord. So faith actually build uh, sorry, the word actually builds the faith of believers. Yes. I remember
2: what I was going to say. It had to do with um, Josh talking about that. He just relates with a lot of people that feel like somehow they have to conjure up their faith um, that Uh it comes from within. I worked at a Bible camp for a lot of my high school and college years Um, And every week, um, this particular Bible camp used to do a campfire where there would be sharing. And basically, it was the same thing every year, the same kids standing up talking about how they'd failed and that they had resolved to live for Christ. And they just were coming back the next year, all emotional, crying, talking about, you know, now they're going to do better. It was all the time, year after year, always this. And then there's one campfire, and then it's always emotional. It's this huge emotional night, and people are stirring one another up to all of this emotion.
1: And and by the way, if I can interrupt, I worked at a different camp with exactly the same script. Okay. Go ahead.
2: So then this one night, all of, you know, the same thing, person after person, standing up, crying, very emotional. And, you know, you're singing campfire songs and playing off the emotion. And then the speaker for the week... Um, said, "Okay, let's sing uh the song that's like if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. He can sit on attack. He can sit on attack. Sit on attack. If the devil doesn't like it, he can." Sit on. And it was just like that was really weird. Boy, that didn't fit the mood at all. And then he says, "I hope that snapped you out of this, yeah. because if you're going to conjure up faith from within, and you're going to try to live off emotion." it's going to be gone just as quickly as inserting that song destroyed the mood that was going on here. Mm. Yeah. Good for him. And that stuck with me. Yeah. Of, okay, that's, that is how often we try to live based upon our own emotion, our own feelings, our own sense of how do I conjure up belief from
0: within? Yeah. And it's just not going to work. It's not going to last. Even as a pastor on Sunday morning, uh, I'm looking at the words that we're singing, fantastic words. And this is what always happens. Oh, my heart doesn't feel these things. And then I, I feel discouraged because I'm not feeling these truths, and I'm the pastor, and I should feel these truths about God. And then I, it's like invariably I snap out of it. I'm like, what the heck do my feelings have to do with anything? Yes. I'm going to sing these words because these are true, and Jesus is worthy and 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 deserves glory and honor. And I start singing them, and then... Guess what happens? <laughs> yes. I believe them, and then the joy follows. Sure. But I'm trying to get the caboose in front of the engine. Yes, the caboose is feelings, and the engine is facts.
1: I'm I'm gonna just uh, I'm I, I was gonna say devil's advocate, but it's it's not the devil's advocate. Um, it's just kind of the other side of the, of this coin. At the same time, at the, at the same time, don't don't build your faith on emotion. But at the same time, don't be afraid of emotion. Mm-hmm. God made our emotions. Mm-hmm. And you think about it for just a moment. The most important decisions we make in our lives are emotional decisions. When I decided to ask Charlotte to marry me, well, wow, th- that wasn't emotionless. <laughs> I was overcome with emotion. Uh, if all of, if all of our decisions were, uh, uh, if all of our decisions were cold and rational, nobody would ever have children ever. So God uses our emotions, uh, and, uh, just, just don't, just don't, uh, make them the, uh, don't get the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. The emotion follows truth. And,
2: and I would just say what Josh has said. Don't, don't wait for emotions to, to come back to the truce and don't uh, wait for emotions to come back to, to the word. Um, use the word, use the truce and reality of who Christ is to draw out um, the response, the emotional response. And it could be that the emotional response really lack, or it tarries, it, it doesn't always follow immediately. Um, and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm.
0: You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.